When you hear that noise, and that means college football right here. Rush the field. I'm Jay Binkley, along with producer Julio Sanchez, bringing you news around the college football world and in-depth interviews with John Kurtz from K-Man in Manhattan. And also, also faithful to our colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network, all things Kansas State. We'll talk to the legendary coach Gary Pinkle, as we do each and every week, about Missouri and Alex Gold from the Wave in the Week podcast and Cody and Gold 10 to 2 on 610 Sports Radio tonight. Got a little college football tonight. Tulsa's playing Tulane, but I think a lot of people might be checking out this uh, Kyler Murray, former Heisman winner, going against Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle up 7 to nothing in this game here. But the college football world was a little silent last week. Now, I'm going to tell you, I do like watching Maction on Tuesday and Wednesday nights, and it seems like there's more that... Uh, like putting some peanuts on the variety, enjoying Mac football this year. But Kansas State with the bye, Kansas with the bye last week, and Missouri had their game canceled against Georgia. So a slow weekend around college football in the local area. And college football really has been hit by COVID pretty hard. As a matter of fact, Missouri down to 53 players. That's the threshold for the SEC, 53 scholarship players. It's where they're at right now. It's not been a good times, but... You can still play if you want to under 53. South Carolina's in the same boat, but they want to play too. So Missouri and Georgia hopefully square off tonight. But Kansas State, this is the one that gets started uh, in the afternoon on, on Saturday. Kansas State coming off that bye week, playing Farmageddon against Iowa State. This is fun. These two fan bases usually battle it out on who's going to go to which bowl game. The Kansas State fans stick out their chest somewhat to the Iowa State fans. And Matt Campbell... Because you got to start beating Kansas State. Kansas State this series. Iowa State has won 50 games. Kansas State 49 games. Four ties in this series. KSU, though, has won 11 of the last 12 against Iowa State, if you can believe that. ISU, last one in 2018 in Ames, 42-38. Kansas State won last year 27-17 in Manhattan. By the way, uh, Skylar Thompson... One of 20 semifinals for the fourth annual Jason Witten Collegiate Man of the Year. The award uh, committee announced for on the field and off the field situations. Chris Kleiman did address the state of Kansas State football. Now, it's not all been rosy. We'll get to Kansas in just a second. They had to postpone their game against Texas this weekend because of COVID. And all coaches are dealing with this. As a matter of fact, Chris Kleiman in his press conference Tuesday, just talked about really not enough guys on the field to shift around. Well, we don't have enough guys to shift around. That's that's probably our issue. And um, so we're, we're playing with the guys that we have um, and just knocking on wood that uh, we're able to get through uh, Wednesday's test, which will come back Thursday and, and Friday's test, obviously, that will come back. Um, and we're not the only ones in the country dealing with this. Uh, there's teams all over the country and every conference dealing with this. And um, we're just down uh, uh, so many guys at certain spots that um, we can't even move people. Um, and so I'm just knocking on wood that uh, um, we get good results here in the, the next week. These are what coaches deal with in and out of every week. Who's going to be able to play and who's not? Who's playing on the other team and who's not? 2020 is a challenging year in college football. 81 canceled or postponed games so far in college football. But Chris Kleiman wants to keep playing and doesn't want to use any excuses. Keep in mind, Kansas State has had zero games canceled because of COVID. 
Well, I don't think any of us want that just because you just don't know what the future is going to hold of, okay, you can cancel whatever this week, next week, or whatever, and feel like you're going to have a chance to play that game because you don't know what's going to happen two weeks from now. And I, I just know how hard these guys have worked since July to have an opportunity to play X amount of games. I, I'm, I'm a little bit amazed, Fitz, that uh, we're going into game eight. And there's a lot of schools that are trying to get through game three and four. Um, and we've been doing this since July, and I can count on probably two hands how many guys haven't missed 14 days or 12 or 13 days or 17 days because they're positive or because they're a close contact. Or, shoot, if a young man's not feeling well, that kid sometimes doesn't come into the facility for 48 hours because then we got to go get a COVID test, and then we got to wait for that COVID test. Uh, and that's stuff that you'd like to have a plan for. You just don't. And, um, but I, I want to play these games because I think these, these guys deserve the opportunity to compete as much as they can. And this is a free year. Everybody gets an extra year of eligibility. Oh, he's right. Some teams are scratching to try to get their second game if you're in the Pac-12. Some teams have played three games. Some teams have two games canceled like Wisconsin. That's a hell of a football team that just smashed Michigan last week. Here's the weird deal. I don't know if you know this, Julio, but there was a short-notice game last week. UCLA and Cal agreed to play with two days' notice. They weren't on each other's schedule. UCLA wins the game 34-10. to The game was put together in two days. Get this. The Bruins and Bears weren't supposed to play each other this year, but Cal's game against Arizona State canceled because of COVID at Arizona State. UCLA's game versus Utah was canceled because of COVID at Utah, so they put them together. They played Sunday. That was a <laughs> They played on Sunday last week, which is unreal, just trying to fit the games in. But it'll be a big match. Iowa State with one loss in the Big 12 in first place. Kansas State with two losses in the Big 12, a big game. Here's Chris Kleiman on the uh, the, uh, the rivalry. You know, I, I'm not as familiar probably with the rivalry uh, just because I've only been a part of it, but I'm familiar with Iowa State just growing up in the state of Iowa. And uh, Matt Campbell's done a phenomenal job there and have a ton of respect for Matt and, and their staff of what they're doing. And uh, they're just such a, a well-coached football team that uh, um, I, I know that both teams uh, respect each other and excited about the great competition because from you know just looking back, there's been some really, really good football games over the last decade or so. Now, if you're a Kansas Jayhawk fan, you were supposed to play Texas this weekend. Kansas coming off the bye. Well... It's going to be another bye week because of injuries and COVID. The 0-7 Jayhawks were set to take on the number 22 Texas Longhorns at 2:30. Texas had won 17 in the last 18, but you might remember KU beat them back in 2016, 24 to 21. Charlie Strong, that game ended up getting him fired. Now what they're going to do is they're going to postpone this game until December 12th uh, due to KU's inability to meet the minimum position requirements established by the Big 12 Conference. That's Kansas News. Missouri, well, they haven't played in 20 days, almost three weeks. They had a bye week, and then they had the Georgia game postponed last weekend. Mizzou has not played since Halloween against Florida. Missouri and South Carolina, and they had they fired their coach. Will Muschamp was fired this week from South Carolina, so Mike Bobo, the interim coach. So not only do you have the issues that you don't know who's going to play or not, Missouri is favored in this game by six and a half, but you got Mike Bobo now there instead of Will Muschamp. Very interesting situation at South Carolina. They've played eight times in the SEC. Mizzou is 3-5 and five 
against the South Carolina Gamecocks. We'll talk to Gary Pinkle about that in just a little bit. But it's been a wild week. And how about the undefeateds still going? A lot of people not talking about these undefeated. How about Cincinnati? It is over, and the Bearcats are still perfect. 7-0 this season after hammering East Carolina 55-17. to Look out, but that's the seventh-ranked team in the country. Are any of these teams going to get a chance to be in the college football playoffs? I don't know. One team certainly trying to make its statement if it can win the SEC East is Florida that continues rolling. And the Gators have a big victory over the Arkansas Razorbacks tonight. Florida goes to 5-1 and one on the year. Tonight, the final score, the Gators 63 and Arkansas 35. Arkansas had gone 20 games without winning a game in the SEC this year. They've turned things around and they're winning. Sam Pittman, their coach, Pittsburgh State alumni, didn't uh, get the coach because due to COVID. So he had to sit out and old friend Barry Odom was the interim coach in that game. By the way, Notre Dame is the second-ranked team in the country. Thought Boston College might give them a little bit of a fight. Wasn't wasn't meant to be. Ian has Chris Tyree and Tommy Tremble lined up next to him. He takes a knee again, and he will not have to do that again. Notre Dame runs the record to 8-0 with a 45-31 victory here at Boston College. So Notre Dame already with a big win over Clemson, already a big win over Boston College. Boston College is not a great team, a very good average team, but still a good win on the road for Notre Dame. The college football playoff committee says they're not going to move the games at this point, although they could. If a team has a lot of COVID problems, not able to play, they could delay the games. But right now, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl will host the first uh, round semifinals on January 1st, January 11th at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, where the Chiefs beat the 49ers in Super Bowl 54, will host the national title game on January 11th. Well, Julio, I actually put together a Heisman list. I figured, why not? They're going to do the Heisman Trophy January 5th virtually. Always been a big fan of this. Number one, let me start with five. We'll start with five first. Zach Wilson, the quarterback of BYU. I don't know if you've seen him play. A team is 8-0. BYU is tough with this guy. Get this, 2,512 yards passing, 12 touchdowns, three picks, eight games. Number four, Justin Fields. I love Justin Folds a ton at Ohio State. 908 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, and he's also got two touchdowns on the ground, but that's only in three games. So it's hard to quantify when you haven't played that many games. Number three, Trevor Lawrence. He had to sit out two games for Clemson, and he missed that Notre Dame game. Get this. He has 1,833 yards passing, 17 touchdowns, two picks, four touchdowns on the ground. You know his record as a starter? 35-1. and one. The only loss he had was against LSU in the national title game. The year before, he beat Alabama in the national title game. So he's 35-1. and one. Number two, Kyle Trask. He's the quarterback at Florida. 2,171 yards passing, 28 touchdowns. Get this, he's thrown at least four touchdowns in every game. He's thrown six touchdowns twice. And number one on my list, Mac Jones, the quarterback at Alabama. 2196 passing, six touch, 16 touchdowns, two picks in just six games. So there's the early look at the Heisman. By the way, my top five games of the weekend. Number five, Appalachian State 6-1 and one against number 15, Coastal Carolina, who's 7-0 at this point and ranked 15th. 11 a.m. on ESPN2. My fourth game, number 14, Oklahoma State 5-1 and one at Oklahoma, who suddenly turned their season around at 5-2, 6-30 on ABC. Kansas State 4-3 at 17, Iowa State. 
at number 17, Iowa State. 3 o'clock, you can hear that game right here on 610 Sports Radio. Number two, and I love this game, number 10, Wisconsin, 2-0. The quarterback, Graham Mertz, Blue Valley North, against Northwestern, number 19 in the country. They're 4-0. It's an 11, uh, excuse me, that's a 2-30 game. No, actually, wait a minute. Indy, it's Indiana and Ohio State. My bad. I said Wisconsin for some reason. Wisconsin's playing Northwestern, 2-30 on ABC. My number one game, Indiana. They're ninth in the country. If you haven't seen this team play, they're damn good. 4-0 at number three, Ohio State, 3 o'clock. Or excuse me, 3-0 in their 11 a.m. on Fox. Coming up next, John Kurtz, K-Man in Manhattan. We'll talk all things Kansas State, Iowa State next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Rush the Field. Time to talk about that Kansas State versus Iowa State matchup. And who better to talk to than John Kurtz? He's a sports director at K-Man in Manhattan. Hosts the game on K-Man 4 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Also faithful to our Colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network right here on 610 Sports Radio. John, good evening. What's up, Bink? How are you? Hey, not much, man. Listen to the Chris Kleiman press conference. Thanks for that audio, by the way. And, you know, several things stood out to me. One, just the challenges coaches face week in and week out, just trying to, you know, every school's going through this. Manufacture plans have a problem. He's talking about knocking on wood that guys don't get COVID or not. I mean, he just seems like this seems to be an ever-changing issue. The freshman class hit hard at Kansas State, but – going to do whatever he can to try to get games in. Yeah, it's been a while since K-State has had to really deal with this. The first two weeks of the season, K-State really flirted with not being able to play either game. Arkansas State, Chris Kleiman said after the fact, there were over 40 players in total in the program that weren't available for that game, and obviously they lost. They went to Oklahoma, missing a bunch of defensive backs against Spencer Rattler and Lincoln Riley and company, which didn't look good on paper, but obviously turned out uh, to be a good thing for the Wildcats. And then went about five weeks where everything was smooth sailing until the West Virginia game, some issues started to uh, to crop up. And it's kind of been a slow bleed over the last few weeks. The good news right now as far as the game being played is that according to the Riley County official data, cases within the program went from 12 to 5 over the last few days. So some of the cases are no longer considered active. Obviously the big issue here is contact tracing and how many players that's taking out, which I know during the bye week was upwards of 20. And that was really hurting not just K-State's actual personnel that's going to play the game against Iowa State, but also being able to get evaluations done on some of your younger players in the program. K-State wanted to do that before trying to figure out what they were going to do on the recruiting trail. Like, hey, do we feel like this kid is developing well enough that we need to recruit over him or not? Those kinds of things weren't able to happen last week, which, hey, that's a reality of COVID, but I know it's been a of frustration for the Wildcats. And between some injuries and some transfers that have left the program in the last week, there's a lot really that's mounting up right now that's making things difficult personnel-wise for the no, Cats. No question about it. And Coach Kleiman was even asked about, you know, some of the opt-outs and in players transferring. And, you know, it is a free year, as he said, a free year for eligibility. So this has really thrown a lot of schools into a weird predicament because guys do get that extra year of eligibility and the transfer portal is filling up. And so, and, and as it relates to K-State, here's the deal. You've had 10 players transfer since the beginning of the season, which sounds like a very high number. I'll first give you the context, and that is there's over 650 players in the transfer portal right now in, in Division One FBS football. You average that out over 130 teams. You're at about five players per team right now. So at least 
I, I know the double number still doesn't sound great, but that tells you that there's a lot of this happening at other schools. And then for K-State, seven of the players that have left have been from the 2019 recruiting class, which was Chris Kleiman's first class, and it was a total scramble class where he had been hired and had about a month to get that class together and rush it to signing day. So I'm going to give him somewhat of a pass for that, where these are guys that he didn't have a chance to develop long-standing, long-term relationships with, and there probably wasn't as much due diligence as they would like to do uh, on some kids normally with that. And, and on top of that, I think some of this was not, hey, I'm going to leave K-State. It's, hey, we need to get you out of the program. So I think all of that has really coalesced along with, yes, these guys now know that, hey, not only am I not losing a year of eligibility this year for playing, but in January, legislation is going to be made official by the NCAA that gives everybody a free pass one time to transfer without penalty in their career. So that is influencing a lot of kids across the country right now, and K-State has really felt the brunt of it. I guess one of the biggest surprises is with Joshua Youngblood. Do we know who, who he's going to end up with? You know, I just initially had heard uh, UCF and USF. I don't know if that was a mutual interest thing or where he would want to wind up, but he's from Tampa, so I would not be shocked at all if it were a landing spot somewhere in the state of Florida. But since then, I have not really heard a, a whole lot about what is going on with him. And obviously that was, you know, that was a kid with a lot of potential, um, Big 12 Special Teams player of the year last year. He's definitely got speed and athleticism to work with had not really panned out at receiver by the time he had left. Now, obviously, you'd hope to develop him into more of a receiver, but um, that just did not unfortunately happen by the time he left the school. Let's look at this game this weekend. This is an interesting game. Kansas State has held serve in this series, winning 11 of the last 12 games, Uh, but they did win two years ago in Ames, and Kansas State won last week, and I know it's kind of been fun rivalry when it comes to bowl games and and you name it, Uh, but – Iowa State surprised on week one like three Big 12 teams were, and they sit there with one loss in the Big 12. I guess one thing about Iowa State this year, they're third in scoring offense. Their run defense is exceptional. They're number two in the Big 12, and Brock Purdy, the quarterback, I mean, he's not lighting up the Big 12. I think he's fourth or fifth in passing efficiency within the Big 12, but certainly this is a game that goes down to – that could determine who's going to be at the top of the Big 12, but also the recruiting battles in the area. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. There's, there's so much spotlight on Bedlam, and understandably so, which which will play a big factor in the Big 12 title race. But K-State, Iowa State is, is basically just as important there. I mean, Iowa State has a couple of pretty tough games, certainly games that look tougher now than they did a few weeks ago, left on their schedule against Texas and West Virginia. But, man, if they get this win and they only have one loss in the league going into those final two games, they're going to be in a real prime position to make it to Arlington in the Big 12 championship game. On the flip side, as bad as it feels right now for K-State with a true freshman quarterback who's struggling, injuries on offense, uh, not very many playmakers that have stepped up on offense at this point in time, and back-to-back losses with a bye week in between. It feels like it's been forever since K-State won a game. The Wildcats still control their own destiny to make it to Arlington in the Big 12 championship game. If you win this game against Iowa State, then you go play Baylor next week. Baylor's free-falling right now and, and not a very good team. Then your last game of the year would be a game in December in Manhattan, Kansas against Texas. That's not a spot where Texas has fared very well against K-State in the past. Let's be honest, they're kind of soft. That's not usually a team that wants to come play in the cold um, against K-State. And if Texas is out of the Big 12 title running by that point, too, that becomes a more winnable game. So, listen, there's still a lot out there for K-State to play for if they can find a way to win this and to quote the great Stan Weber on the K-State Sports Network uh, from 2017 after the Wildcats won on the last play of the game, 
K-State always beats Iowa State. They do. The only time Iowa State has beaten K-State in the last 12 years was Bill Snyder's literally last game. And even then, K-State had a 17-point lead as a big underdog in that game. So it, it has just not historically been a spot where Iowa State has had much success. In fact, they've lost 25 of the last 30 against K-State. Yeah, and 11 of the last 12. And it's certainly been a lopsided series. And, of course, Chris Kleiman's not been a big part of the series just to – in his second go-around go against Iowa State. But there's no love lost between these fan bases either. I mean, this is – I mean, I know that Bedlam gets the uh, the rivalry talk, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and I know the Sunflower Showdown is put out there as Kansas State versus Kansas. This game is the most interesting rivalry to me. I don't know why, but I love this Farmageddon game. Yeah, I mean, it's really turned into – I would say something more with the younger generations here because so much of it surrounds Twitter and, and the Internet. I mean, really, the, the genesis of Farmageddon, it was coined by Kevin Haskin, who was a, a Topeka Capital Journal columnist back around 2009 when they had moved the game to Arrowhead for a couple of years. I went. Uh, and yeah, and, and then it was really popularized by a K-State message board, and that's where it started to take off. And obviously that moniker has kind of caught on over the years. But Twitter is really where it's, it's turned into a, a battle between the fan bases. And, and I think the reason it's all happened is because what you have is Iowa State, a, a program that would like to be K-State. Um, and K-State feels like Iowa State is this little brother that is nipping at their heels and trying to put together the kind of program that K-State had, certainly under Bill Snyder and what it's continued into now. The reality is Iowa State has not had a, a nine-win regular season in eons, and Iowa State has never won double-digit games in a regular season, which K-State at one point in time won 11 games in six of seven seasons under Bill Snyder. So um, it's definitely a big brother, little brother kind of a thing. And, and let's be honest, a part of the reason that this has happened is because Iowa State has gotten better. Uh, Matt Campbell is a good coach. Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. I think the difference here is Iowa State and many, honestly, in the regional and national media want to make Matt Campbell a great coach when I think he is a good coach. And that's really what digs at K-State fans. And K-State fans will point you toward the fact that the Wildcats' new head coach took over a program last year that didn't have a scholarship running back on the roster and was pretty talent devoid and won more games last year than Matt Campbell did while also beating him uh, in Manhattan. So that's the real genesis for why this right now has turned into the kind of rivalry that it has. And Hey, I'm here for it. It makes <laughs> college football more fun when you can add this stuff to it. Oh, K-State games have been fun to watch this year. What's the status of tight end Briley Moore, second-leading receiver, on the team behind Deuce Vaughn. This guy um, makes a difference when he's in that offense. Yeah, the good news is today, Courtney Messingham, K-State's offensive coordinator, did say that he expects him to play, which is very good news because what you have right now with K-State's offense is basically two difference makers, two players that you have to worry about if you're the defense. There's frankly not a single receiver on the roster um, that right now scares you if you're a defense. But Briley Moore does. He is very much cut from the same cloth of the new modern tight end that we're seeing throughout college football and obviously the NFL. Um, and he injured his back against West Virginia, missed about half the game, didn't play against Oklahoma State. Now, he may be somewhat limited, but that at least makes somebody else that you have to game plan for. Obviously, the other guy is Deuce Vaughn, and he's been shut down the last two weeks. Um, he has under 100 total yards the last two weeks combined after he was putting up over 100 per game before that. So that's really changed in how defenses have been able to key in on Deuce without Briley Moore. So that is that is huge. If Briley is able to play most of the game, uh, that definitely will serve K-State well. 
It's John Kurtz at J.L. Kurtz on Twitter. Sports director, K-Man in Manhattan, Kansas. Also hosts the Faithful to Our Colors podcast on 610sports.com, the 435 Podcast Network. 3 o'clock, you can hear the game right here on 610 Sports Radio. John, thank you for the insight. We look forward to talking to you again, my friend. Always appreciate it, Bing. Talk to you soon, man. There you go. John Kurtz right there. Coming up next, we'll check in with Gary Pinkle about the Missouri Tigers that haven't played in 20 days. We'll talk to Coach next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. And joining us now, as he does each and every week, uh, the winningest coach at Toledo in the University of Missouri, enough for the College Football Hall of Fame. His name is Gary Pinkle, and you can check everything out at GaryPinkle.com, including buying his book if you're looking for last minute. Well, it's not last minute. It's before Thanksgiving, so it's still in the minute. Christmas gifts, uh, the book, uh, The 100-Yard Journey. Coach, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How y'all doing? Hey, we're doing fine, Coach. I saw on Twitter your GP Made Foundation. You guys were pretty busy this week uh, donating a lot of money uh, to the Special Learning Center in Jefferson City, and you you gave scholarship offers to uh, people that are going to go to UMKC and Avila University, and sounds like you guys had a pretty busy week. Yeah, it's really fun. You know, I said, you know, as you and I've talked about a little bit before, too, and I've uh, really communicated with uh, a lot of folks out there that, you know, when I quit coaching, the one thing that I missed most was taking care of my players. And my wife, Missy, just suggested a couple of years ago, why don't you start a foundation to help kids? And so that's what I did. And it's been to GP made, M-A-D-E, make a difference every day in the lives of children. And the uh, the learning center uh, is out in, in uh Jefferson City is remarkable what they're doing to help these young kids. I mean, I, if they weren't there, I have no idea what would happen to them. And so it's so significant. So we gave a grant to them, and and we're we're we had right last year 25 scholarships in St. Louis, Kansas City, Columbia area, um, and the renewable scholarships meaning if you were successful your first quarter, uh, set standards that you can come back. We'll give it to you right till you graduate. Because at the end of the day, that's what we want to do is through the graduation. And um, and so we our, our goal is to get up above fifty in, in the state. We have fifty continuous scholarships. That we're helping fifty kids all the time. And so we got twenty five last year. So hopefully we'll get that going. And uh, anyway, it's been it's been really a lot of fun. And people can donate there on um, GaryPinkle.com, GPMade.com. Yes, yeah, no question about it. GPMade.com, GaryPinkle.com. You can donate anytime you want. And uh, we got a lot of people that. Uh, and I, 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 you know, the integrity of how we do things, I have a lot of great people. Uh, Missy and I have a lot of great people around us and uh, working with us, and we run it with the highest level of, level of integrity. And we also, you know, it's, it's, it really is, is, is important that we help kids. That's what we do every day. That's what we want to do. And so people can trust that we do that. Well, Coach, you're, you're helping out the state of Missouri quite a bit. You're doing a fantastic job. Uh, with your foundation, so you were very busy this week. Uh, one th- one team that's not been very busy lately is Mizzou, uh, having a bye week, <laughs> having a bye week, and then having a game called off against Georgia. These are wild times, Coach. Teams are trying to uh, finish their second game. Teams are trying to finish their fourth game. Teams are trying to finish their eighth game. Eighty-one games have been canceled or postponed at this part of the season. So it's unbelievable. I give I give hats off to the 128 Division One coaches and. In all the coaches across the country, just trying to put a competitive roster out each week, meet the guidelines of the conference, and just play football games. This is this is never easy for coaches, and Coach Drinkwitz is dealing with it like a lot of coaches around this country are. I did hear you say that because I texted him 
uh, last Monday, and I said, listen, I just have so much respect. Just thinking about you, having so much respect for you and, and, and how hard you're working and the incredible job you are doing handling incredible things that are happening every day. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Monday, you know, preparation Sunday through the next uh, Saturday, let's play, or uh, Friday, and let's play on Saturday and do that, everything, and let's stay exactly on what we need to do and how we have to do. The story about this is anything can change at any time. And so that's kind of a new, different way for to, to kind of operate your kids and get them to understand that we're going to make a lot of adjustments. It can happen at any time, anywhere. Down the road, it's going to, it's going to help us actually focus better because, you know, we're learning how to focus in these adverse conditions. Wait till it just becomes average out there, and you're going to be able to focus to, to, the, to the highest level. So I just think he's done a tremendous job. It's, it's, it's so difficult. It's been 20 days since they played. That's almost three weeks. Yeah. It's like three weeks off where you play a game. That's unheard of. I mean, that, just, that never has happened. But, again, you get back to page one, not going to have any excuses. Number one, we have no excuses. And let's get, our, get ourselves focused. And, you know, he's probably leaning on the team, his uh, teamwork, his, uh, leadership in his team to kind of help the guys in the locker room work, you know, all working together, pulling on the rope in the same direction. So um, just keep battling, man. That's just, it's just the way the year is. And I'm, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad I missed this because this is one thing I, um, you know, I'm such a control freak. This is, this is like probably driven me nuts. It would have driven you nuts and kept you awake at night, but uh, I have a feeling you would have found a way to handle it. Yeah, we would have. We, would, we certainly would have. And, and that's kind of the story we, we, we would have done. We, you know, we, can only, we can only control so much. At the end of the day, we've got to be ready to play Saturday or whatever time, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, whatever it is. We've got to be ready to play. So Friday, we have to make sure we do what's right on Friday, Thursday, and that never changes. And you, we, we're not going to have excuses. Well, we haven't played for a long time. Nobody cares. You know, when you take responsibility through these adverse conditions and everybody takes responsibility, I'm not saying you're going to win all your games, but you're going to do a lot of good things. Well, it's, it's interesting, and it's also uh, affected the recruiting landscape. I mean, some of these teams, uh, I know three schools from the, the metro area that were in the playoffs are not able to play their playoff games. And that comes down to recruiting, and it comes down to game film and uh, things that kids have. It's definitely been a challenge. Well, they are going to play this week, Coach, against South Carolina, a team that you played a couple of times. And those were always pretty good ball games. Anytime you're playing South Carolina and Missouri, uh, you had some good ones. I mean, back when you were coaching 24-10, 21-20, 24-27, 31-10. So there were some close games mixed in there. <laughs> They're going through a coaching change, but South Carolina is one of these schools that, uh, you know, you never know what to expect. I mean, not only are you dealing with the COVID and all the issues you have, but now you've got an interim coach in Mike Bobo, so it's going to be different than Will Muschamp. So, once again, something else for Missouri to prepare for. Well, first of all, you said naming all the scores of all those games. You got me awful nervous here, okay? All of a sudden, I start sweat, sweating right now in concern. I, for, I forgot about how close a lot of those games it were. But, uh, you know, that's the SEC, though. That's you know, the battles that you face and what you're dealing with. Really unusual circumstances. They lose their coach. Um, you know the, the team is is playing remarkably poorly. If that's, that probably doesn't go right English wise, uh, certainly something that you know that we're that uh, is, is is significant. And and the amount of yards they've given up, or points they've given up. I've seen some st- the statistics from the last few weeks. Oh my gosh, they've had some of their players uh, when the coaching change took place. They had several of their seniors or players that want to go to the NFL draft say, I'm, they're not going to practice anymore. They're done. They're going to prepare for the NFL draft. And that just, I mm. seethe inside when I hear something like that because 
the ultimate thing about the great thing about football is it's the greatest team sport of any sport that ever has been and ever will be. And when you've got players that are just bailing out when things get tough, uh, that's very difficult for me. So uh, long story short, uh, we have a great opportunity to win this game. It's going to be real important. Um, don't take them lightly. I know, I know Coach won't, uh, but that's got to kind of go through the entire uh, team. Yeah, 257 points they've given up this year. In retrospect, Missouri, 165. South Carolina has played a couple more games, but still, it's given up a lot of points. Yeah, and, and what happens is, you know, that's what that's why in the coaching world, whether, you, whether you're coaching, you know, the Chiefs, Danny Reed does, or you're coaching University of Missouri, um, uh, as Eli Drinkwitz is doing, it all comes back. You can, you can talk about all the things that you have to go against and statistical things, and you get game plans up for all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to have all your players play at the optimum level, preparation mentally, physically, emotionally, when the ball's kicked off. You, you kind of, it all goes back to that at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, certainly you look at those things and evaluate and you coach those things. Uh, but, you know, you've got to be at that spot to play your best. doesn't mean you're going to win, but to play your best. And uh, you people hear that, that kind of sounds redundant for me because you hear me say it all the time. But uh, in our world of this remarkably competitive sport of football and the mental side of that because of the physicalness of the game, it's, uh, it's very significant. Well, Coach, I know you and I have talked about the playoff committee. Uh, they're gonna, I wish them the best of luck. The new first rankings come out <laughs> next week. I wish them the best of luck figuring out if a three-win team belongs with a seven-win team or eight-win. I'm not doing that. You're not doing that, so we don't have to worry about it. We just have to look at the rankings. But I'll tell you this much. The Heisman Trophy is going to go on. And, man, I tell you, I'd be shocked if it's not coming out of the SEC. Mac Jones at Alabama and Kyle Trask at Florida, just some special quarterbacks. No question, no question. Some great players. You know, you're, you're right. It's, it's really crazy out there, but all the things. So they're going to have to come up. They're their first. It comes out next week, right? Is that when it comes out? November the, 24th, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, you know, you're right. There's some, some teams like Ohio State might have be 3-0. and Another team is 6-1. and Some teams might be 2. I mean, it, it's, 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 <laughs> it's incredible out there. And, and you, they, have, they have to. And I'm, I'm kind of glad we got that committee in place because – I think all those guys are men of integrity. I think most. Of, I think they're all men. I'm not sure. It's not just a lady or two. That's fine. Uh, but the point is, is that's 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 a heck of a responsibility. Oh, yeah. You got to be able to justify why you did and why you don't. But I'm glad. I'm glad it's in place because I think that's the only shot we got of trying to get it right. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, the arguing going back and forth. That's 100 percent right, Coach. I I'm a big college football fan, so I'm I'm just glad to have it. I'm glad to have the Heisman. Uh, still, I'm just uh, glad to, that coaches are pushing through and uh, playing some college football. I do enjoy it. And uh, Coach, uh, once again, your website, GaryPinkle.com. You can make a difference there uh, with the foundation. Also, the book, The 100-Yard Journey, that Dave Matter uh, wrote with Coach, and Nick Saban did the forward on it. Uh, still plenty of time to get that bad boy before Christmas. So, Coach, I wish you the best of success, the best of health. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And uh, looking forward to Missouri, South Carolina. Yeah, I'm passed out the happy Thanksgiving to everybody and uh, contra blessings and uh, everybody stay healthy out there. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Coach. There you go, Gary Pinkle right there, the all-time wins leader at the University of Missouri. Well, it's time to talk Hawk with Alex Gold, Waving the Wheat podcast and Cody and Gold 10 to 2 every single day. If you haven't been listening, you miss Tim Brown, you miss Chris Jones, you miss a lot of stuff. 
if you're not listening to those fills. We talked to Alex Gould next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Rush the Field. Thanks to Coach Gary Pinkle for joining me. He's on the, actually on vacation down in Florida, but he took the time out, and I appreciate that from Coach. One guy who's not vacation, but he has taken the time out is Alex Gold. You hear him daily, 10 to 2 on Cody and Gold, and also the Wave in the Week podcast on 610sports.com on our 435 podcast network. As I mentioned, Kansas uh, had a bye week, and this week will not play Texas due to injuries and COVID. This game has been moved to December 12th. Alex, we can't see Hawks versus Horns. We can't see. we got to wait at least, uh, well, what, a, a month and a half to see if that game actually happens. So it feels like it's been a while, hasn't it, uh, since we've seen some KU football. Some people might be uh, thrilled to wait a couple more weeks to see KU football more than others. But a lot of people, I think, were more on the uh, – the rush the court mood, Binks, and rush the field when it comes to KU football and Kansas athletics right now. Well, you know, it's been weird and it's been quiet, uh, Alex, as you know, for college football around the local area with K-State, KU, and Missouri. Missouri had a bye week, and then they had their Georgia game canceled. K-State is down to, well, it, uh, Riley County, according to uh, John, John Kurtz, has gone from 12 to 5 players. But I know K-State had a COVID problem earlier this week, and it was hard to find guys, you know, to fill holds. And these conferences have these 53-man thresholds. And it's tough. Missouri is, you know, fighting and scrapping just to have the 53, and so is South Carolina. This COVID issue really hitting college football hard is we've had 81 games canceled or postponed. That's an incredible, like, staggering number. Even if I was prepared, even if you were prepared that – this college football season was going to be altered. We knew it was going to have plenty of postponements, but to hear that number is really staggering. I think what we're seeing, though, Bank, is just while wow, sports, of course, is not immune to what's going on in, in everybody's neighborhood, whether you're living in Kansas City, you live in Manhattan, Lawrence, anywhere in the country, we're seeing numbers, unfortunately, rise. And so it's impacting these programs as well and impacting, therefore, a lot of college football games. I think we're just going to continue probably to see this, Bank, the rest of the college football season, and we're going to have to see ultimately how the the, collect, the selection committee determines what they're going to value or not because we know there's going to be some teams that are undefeated or one-loss teams that might play four games less than the next guy that's right around the same ballpark as them in terms of where people are viewing them, like Ohio State, who is a top-five team. They've only played three games yeah. this year, and then you've got – a school like BYU Bank that's played what eight or nine? Eight, and they only have like two more games scheduled, and they, you know, and they're undefeated. Cincinnati's undefeated, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the college football playoff committee says they don't plan on moving their games back. There is a conflict at the Sugar Bowl uh, with the Saints, I do believe, to move that game, but they said that if there was COVID outbreak with the playoff teams, they would obviously wait, and that's I think that's what we want to see. We don't want to see. You know, college football playoffs without Ian Book, let's say Notre Dame makes it, or Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback at Clemson. Nobody wants to see those games without those quarterbacks. You have to be flexible. And I think people should be flexible both within the bowl games, within the, the selection committee, these teams. I mean, it was going to be a rocky road to begin with. And I think we're going to see still a national semifinal. We're going to see a college football national championship game. It might be at a different date than we've. Thought it might be at a different venue than we thought, and I'm sure there'll be some 
people upset that a team that only played, let's say, six games gets in over a team that played nine that had their one loss? I mean, we, we have debate on a given year anyway when things are perfect and we're not in the middle of a pandemic. So I don't know why this year is going to be any different other than uh, it's just going to be even more chaotic because of the times we're living in. By the way, uh, the Seahawks just kicked a field goal, 16-7, to as we go into halftime of the uh, Thursday night game, Alex. I'll Has put... Russell Wilson turned the ball over a million times yet? <laughs> yeah, well, he had 10 turnovers in the last four games, so it's unbelievable. Uh, back to Kansas for a second. There's 650 kids in the transfer portal. That's a lot. Kansas State's been hit by the transfer portal. Missouri has. It's a free year for these guys. They don't lose a year of eligibility. We saw Puka opt out for Kansas to go on to the NFL. I'm curious, Les Miles. Now, I think a lot of fans, I've seen the frustration with what he's doing at Kansas at this point. I think this this year is going to be the tough, as much as Kansas fans want to pinpoint things on Les Miles, I think this is going to be a tough year to do it with the uncertainty that abounded. And obviously people are laughing at Coastal Carolina, but guess what? They're 7-0 and and ranked 15th in the country. Yeah. But they're 0-7 for Les Miles, and, you know, I, I I don't know what to say. I don't know if Kansas can – if 2020 can go on anybody's record or not. Obviously it did in South Carolina with Will Muschamp getting uh, fired, but uh, I'm just curious how Kansas fans – you know, view this season in less miles. Right. I mean, I said before the season started on my podcast that because of COVID and everything, to me, you can't judge this team this year on wins and losses. Now, when I said that, uh, I, I wasn't expecting a loss to Coastal Carolina, and I wasn't expecting to see four different quarterbacks or three different quarterbacks, I guess it is, play this year for Kansas. But I think overall your point's correct about – you know, the, the, the transfer pool, we're going to have to watch that. The extra year of eligibility, the three-year of eligibility for Jalen Daniels or some of these other guys. But what's so frustrating is the, you know, the process that it appears that Les Miles and the, the program are taking is the right steps, right? It's the right steps to, to go about not just building up through JUCO, do it the right way. It's just Kansas fans have seen this type of season over and over again, and at some point, you want to see a little bit of promise. And last year, you felt like, all right, there was something there with your, your offensive coordinator and Deerman. You felt good, and that offense has taken a huge step back uh, and maybe realized actually what Carter Stanley gave them last year was more than any of us recognized. And so it's just the frustration thing from the last decade that's built up for Kansas fans, and, and, and people are sick of just hearing that, well, they're on the right track, and they're, they're going to build it the right way. At some point, people want to see results, and – you know, I think Kansas fans feel like they've been patient enough, and it's just a lot of frustration. It's got to be frustrating as well when you see what's going on in Manhattan, the success that uh, Chris Kleiman's having, and it's got to be a little frustrating thinking about Iowa State. You know, here's a program. I mean, Kansas football should be just as good as an Iowa State, and I don't like hearing these basketball schools can't play football. Obviously, we've seen the success of Cutcliffe at Duke. And we're seeing what Mac Brown's doing at the University of North Carolina. So you can play football and basketball together. And I'm curious if KU fans, yes, Les Miles wears a ring, but then you have the up-and-comers like Kleiman and uh, Matt Campbell, and it's got to be uh, frustrating for Kansas fans. Oh, it, it certainly adds to it. I mean, you see, to, to K-State's credit, what they nailed their hire. They took a ton of heat for the Chris Kleiman hire at the time. And now we know he's been given a contract extension. Very smart for K-State to do that. 
and he's been terrific. And you see, you know, the head-to-head game, what was it now, three weeks ago, a month ago, whatever the, the time has been, and you see some guys from the Lawrence area that are playing there in Manhattan uh, for the Wildcats and having success. Jack Steen. Yeah, yeah, you see, yeah, exactly. You see the incompetence uh, from the special teams unit, and, and anytime you see a program like, like Kansas State who went through a transition and really uh, did, didn't miss a beat, you know, and, and steps right in and has that success, it, it does. It adds to it. And, and, you know, the next step, we'll see what Les Miles is able to do in the next year or two. Uh, but to your point about young up-and-coming head coach, like the quality of head coach that you can get in the future because of this decade long of uh, a lack of wins, I mean, you're not you're, you're going to have to probably go and try to maybe follow that that model uh, eventually of, of finding that FCS or you know th- you know Division two coach even right probably FCS more than anything else type of coach for a young coach that's willing to to grow with you. Uh, but it's just it's awfully tough and. You know, this this year has just been a disaster for a variety of reasons. Alex, I got about twenty five seconds left. If Jim Harbaugh becomes available, do you make another run at him? <laughs> uh, he's not going to Kansas. <laughs> he almost did one time. Anyway, thanks a lot, Alex. Thanks, Vic. There you go, Alex Gold from ten to two on Cody and Gold. Always appreciate from him. Thanks to Julio Sanchez for producing the operation. We'll see you guys next week. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio.